So there's many resources out there from which to gain information. You know, some people use the newspaper to get information. Some people use their neighbors to acquire information. Some people use the TV. And what is the most well-known source out there to gain information on anything? The internet, right? And when it comes to hearing information, how do we determine what's true and what's not? Do we just swallow everything because somebody has said it? You know, some things we, we take automatically as truth because somebody said it. You know, Grandpa was a rancher, and so anything related to ranching, if Grandpa said it, I'm taking it to the bank. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy it because Grandpa's been there and he's done that, and I'm going to accept it. It's a reliable resource. Uh, sometimes we believe things because we really don't have any other options. Anybody here go to the doctor and, and because you don't know what's going on? The doctor tells you you have some kind of diagnosis and you really don't even know what that means. You can't look at yourself and discover that I have cancer or I have uh, MS or I have some a fractured bone. I can say, that ow, that hurts, but I don't really know. And so we take what we hear from a doctor because we really don't have any other options. And then you have people who, who take in information and they believe it because they don't know any better. You know, and it, it could be a good don't know any better or a bad don't know any better. I think about kids who go to a science class and learn about photosynthesis. Anybody know about photosynthesis? So, supposedly how the plants get their food from the sun or how they survive, right? Who can prove that? I don't know. I, don't, I really don't know those things. But kids go to school and they hear these things and they say, okay, that's the answer for the test is photosynthesis. And so they write it down. But they believe it because they are taught just to believe what they hear. But we all, as adults, we've been around the block. We all know that words are cheap. Anybody can say anything at any time, and most likely somebody somewhere will believe it. You get online, and it, gets, it just makes it that much worse because people have their own YouTube channel. People have their own blogs. People have their own other written documents. You just type in some specific word, and you can hear people's opinions from A to Z anywhere around the world, and people will believe something that they read. And sometimes that's okay. Maybe when you hear photosynthesis and your teacher explains it to you, you can say, okay, that's true. Whether it's right or not, you can say, it's okay, I agree with that. Uh, but when it comes to things related to scripture, through what you hear uh, from, from the pulpit, uh, you, you can't just say, wow, it's true because somebody said it. There are a lot of people out there who are talking about things that they don't understand. Some people do know what they're talking about, but some people just say, hey, I, I, I want to be able to get in my soapbox and share what I want to share. And we, got, we kind of find that in today's passage, not because people are trying to mean, lead people astray, but there are people who are uh, well-meaning but confused believers. They mean well by what they are by what they are trying to get people to do, but they are confused still the same. So we're in the book of Acts chapter 15, verses 1 through 35. Um, I, I hope you got the chance to read it before today. We are not looking at every verse. A lot of it is, here was the discussion, and then here's the letter that pretty much says everything the discussion was about. Um, but it's still valuable just the same. So first we're going to look at the well-meaning but confused believers. Uh, we're going to look at verses 1 through 5. It says, Some men came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the brothers, Unless you are circumcised according to the, to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. 
So they, they, they have well intentions. They think, hey, these new believers, they need to know this, and we are going to go and share this with them. Now, if you are not familiar with what circumcision is, it's something that is, um, it's cutting off the foreskin of the male anatomy. That's all I'll put it. If, if you don't understand what that is, go talk to somebody else. Go talk to your parents. Uh, I'm not going to try to explain it. And if you're, if you're still, like obviously most people probably know what circumcision is, but if you're not familiar with what's, what's the deal behind circumcision, why would these Jews be trying to push this belief? Well, we got to go back to uh, Genesis chapter 17, verse 11, where God gave... Abraham, this, this, the sign of a covenant that they, that they were entering into agreement with. It was a sign that the people would be God's people and that he would be their God. It was something, a tradition that was passed down from generation to generation. And every good Jewish person knew this. People who did not want to be part of that faith were not circumcised and they were kicked out. People who wanted to join the Jewish faith were circumcised and they were able to join. But circumcision Circumcision was nothing more than a sign. It did not save people. It was just a, a proof, a physical proof that they were indeed going to have God as their God. The Jewish people of that day didn't seem to understand that. They're going with, yes, I was circumcised. Yes, um, I'm following the law. And now I'm going to add Jesus to the mix. And they thought, I did that. That's what these people need to do. They were a well-meaning but they were confused. So the first thing that Paul and Barnabas have to deal with, and they will, is the fact that people are saying you have to be circumcised or otherwise you cannot be saved. When they get down to uh, Jerusalem, it says in verse 5, Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, The Gentiles must be circumcised and required to obey the law of Moses. And this was something that the Jewish people did. They were following the law of Moses. And that, if you don't understand how difficult that would be, those of you who are reading through the Old Testament book of Exodus with us, uh, I think this next week you read chapters 19 through 23, and there's a lot of laws in there that they would have to follow. You read through the book of Exodus, it's going to be a slow, dry time in our Sunday school class, but there are lots and lots of laws that these people were trying to follow. And these well-meaning but confused people were saying, if you're going to truly be saved, you've got to be circumcised and you've got to follow the law of Moses. And this wasn't something that's like, man, these new Gentiles, you guys got to do this and we don't have to. This was something that good, the Jewish people themselves were trying to do. They were already circumcised. They were already following the law. And now they added Jesus to it. So they're not trying to say Gentiles do more than we did. They're just saying you, you have to do more than what you really have to do. And that's what makes them well-meaning. Because, hey, if that's what it takes to be saved, and they're telling them that, that's important. But they're confused because those things do not add to your salvation. The only way you're saved is by trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior. It has nothing to do with being circumcised. It has nothing to do with obeying the law of Moses. But those people did not know that. Well, there's, there were a lot of well-meaning but confused believers back then. Guess what? There's a lot of well-meaning and confused believers today. And some of those happen to be people like me, not me, but people like me. They get into a pulpit and they say stuff. You guys ever heard of uh, the prosperity gospel? 
Right? That it teaches that the more you give God, the more God will give you. You know, so we, we could just load up our offering plate and everybody could just dump in loads of money because the more you give, the more you're going to get back. Sounds nice, doesn't it? Or God wants you to be happy, and so you do what makes God happy, and he's going to make you happy. That, that sounds really good, but is that biblical? There are parents who, who are trying to help their kids make the right decision. And this comes from anywhere. So if you're a parent saying this, don't think I'm picking on you specifically. But there are parents who are trying to help their kids make the right decision. And what do they tell them? Follow your heart. That sounds really good. Follow your heart. You want to date that boy? You want to buy that car? You want to follow that career? You want to decide in your life whether it's right or wrong to do something? Just follow your heart. It sounds really good. But it's, we're going to see here in a little bit, is this accurate or is it not? But there's also well-meaning Christians who, who do the same kind of thing. And they're, they're well-meaning. Their, their goal is to keep people out of trouble. That's why they say things like this, that it is a, it's a sin to dance. It's a sin to play cards. It's a sin to play dice, right? Things like that, they, they mean well. And we're going to look at that also as well. But these are well-meaning people. But is what they're saying really true? And how are we going to know what they're saying if it's really true or not? Well, we're going to get to that. Okay, so we have the well-meaning but confused believers. They're trying to tell the Jews, you've got to be circumcised. You've got to follow the law if you're going to be saved. Now we have the well-meaning and correct believers who are going to try to, to solve that problem for these people. Verses 6 through 18. It says in verse 2, even though I just said 6 through 18, uh, verse 2 it says, um, after the, the Jews came and they were discussing with Paul and Barnabas that you have to be circumcised and you have to follow the law, verse 2 says, this brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and a debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed along with the other believers to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and the elders about this question. They, so these, these Paul Barnabas, they tried to stop this issue right now. They got into a conversation with these Jews and tried to just say, wait a second, you guys are not right about this. And, and those people obviously wouldn't accept it. And so somehow they all agreed, why don't we just send Paul and Barnabas down to Jerusalem and they can talk to the church there. You know, maybe that they were expecting the Jews of that situation, of that church to agree with them, say, yes, you've got to be circumcised. Yes, you've got to follow the law. Or maybe they looked at the church of Jerusalem as the authority, whatever they said went. But whatever the case was, Paul and Barnabas were sent down to Jerusalem. And it says they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria. And you know what they did? They did exactly what we talked about last week. They did their Moments for Missions message. They talked about what God had done through them wherever they went. They're still proclaiming that there were Gentiles getting saved. They weren't swallowing what these well-meaning false believers or these believers were these well-meaning but confused believers were trying to get across, they say, we are still going to point out to people what God did in the lives of the Gentiles. And they get down there and they have a discussion. There's a bunch of them in a church. They get together because this is a big topic. What is it? How do we address this issue? People are saying you got to be circumcised. You got to follow the law. And they said, you know what? Let's they discussed it for a while. And then three different people got up and they shared what they knew about this. The first one was a guy by the name of Peter. 
And ultimately, what he came down to through what his message was, was that God accepted the Gentiles by faith. That's it. By faith in Jesus, it wasn't a matter of works. It wasn't a matter of circumcision. It was nothing. It was only Jesus. But Peter was a guy who had to learn this himself. Because uh, when in Acts chapter 10, Peter was a guy who was only about the Jews. He wasn't interested in sharing Jesus with the Gentiles. And he had to learn that Jesus was for the Gentiles as well. There was a guy by the name of Cornelius who was a devout follower of God. And Peter was end up ultimately getting brought to his house. And he says that he learned. Let me see here. He said in verse 4, 10, chapter 10, verse 43, that God doesn't show favoritism, but God accepts any man from anywhere who fear his name. Those who are willing to put their faith in Jesus, God accepts those people. Peter himself had to share what he himself learned. But in order to prove this to the people, God gave the gift of the Holy Spirit. The people that Cornelius, uh, Cornelius and that Peter was talking to, they had the Holy Spirit come upon them and they were able to speak in tongues, just like the apostles. You know, in Acts chapter two, the tongues of fire that came down to the apostles and they were able to speak in different languages to people. Well, that was the same thing that was happening. And Peter is saying, look, guys, there was no work involved in this. And it says that the the circumcised believers who went with Peter, they were shocked because Cornelius and the uncircumcised believers, they they had the gift of the Holy Spirit brought upon them, which was proof that, yes, indeed, they'd put their faith in Jesus. It wasn't based off of works. It was based off of their, their trust in Jesus for salvation. So Peter explains from his own experience what he knows to be true. In verse 10, he talks about this the idea of following the law. Chapter 14, verse 10, no, 15, verse 10. He says, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the disciples a yoke that neither we nor our fathers have been able to bear? He says, we couldn't even follow the law. Why are you trying to make them follow the law? We couldn't even do it ourselves. So he's using common sense to say, look, this is a bad idea. This is not what God wants in mind. The purpose of the law wasn't just to have another to-do list. It's the purpose of the law is to show people that they were a sinner in need of a savior. I think they get that point. Then he says uh, in verse 11, Peter shares grace, he, common grace. He says, no, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that they are saved just as we are. We are all saved the same way in Christ alone. It wasn't works. It wasn't baptism. It wasn't circumcision. It wasn't following the law. It was nothing. It was only Jesus, which is why we are saved. So Peter got up and he gave this very convincing speech that God accepted the Gentiles by faith. Then Barnabas and Saul got up, or Barnabas and Paul got up, and they shared that God worked through the Gentiles, uh, through the faith of the Gentiles. Uh, in Acts chapter 13, verse 48, he said he works through their, he gave them salvation. He says, when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and they honored the word of the Lord and all who were appointed for salvation, eternal life believed. So he's saying from experience, Gentiles are getting saved. Uh, 1348, uh, chapter 14, verse one, it says the same thing happened in Iconium. Uh, it says there they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Gentiles believed. 
People are getting saved. He say, look, this is real life. This is what happened. Chapter 14, verse 21. It says, when it got down to Derby, they preached the good news and they won over a large number of disciples. So God's working through the faith of the Gentiles. Yes, they are getting saved. It wasn't through anything else. But he says, God's already, he worked through the, the miraculous signs in the Gentiles' life as well, through their faith. Chapter 14, verses 8 through 10. In Lystra, there was a man crippled in his feet who was lame from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking, and Paul looked directly at him and saw that he had the faith to be healed, and he called out, Stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. That man had faith. God was able to work through that man's faith to make him walk. And they're saying, Look what God has done. Peter's saying, I learned this. This is what I saw. Paul and Barnabas are saying, look what we experienced. God was able to give these people salvation. It had nothing to do with anything that they did themselves, such as law or circumcision. And then another guy got up. And the gist of his message was that Scripture backs up the Gentiles' faith. And, and it's con not connected with circumcision. It's not connected with following the law. Um, let me read to you what James said. It says in verse 13, when they finished, James spoke up. Brothers, listen to me. Simon had, to had described to us how God at first showed his concern by taking from the Gentiles a people for himself. The words of the prophet are in agreement with this, as it is written in the book of Amos. After this, I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. Its ruins I will rebuild and I will restore it, that the remnant of men may seek the Lord and all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord, who does these things that have been known for the ages. So when Jesus comes back, to reign, there are, there are going to be more than just Jews running around. There's going to be Gentiles, people just like us, running around uh, because Gentiles get saved as well. But James is saying, they're going to be saved. But it has nothing to do with what they, whether or not they were circumcised, whether or not they followed the law. They were only saved by faith. And that, obviously, is something, hopefully, that you sitting here say, okay, Josh, this horse is dead. You beat it to pieces. There's, you don't have to keep saying that. We know that. But people of that day were confused. And, this, and we're, we're, we're looking at why were they confused and what could they do about it. <clears throat> All four of these guys did not get up and just state their own opinion. They didn't state their own views. They didn't state, hey, this is what I think is right or what is wrong. They were, they were speaking God's word. They were saying, this is what God taught me. This is what I see in scripture. This is why I believe what I believe. It wasn't, it wasn't Peter that convinced me. It wasn't anybody else. It was only God who convinced me to live by, by what I'm saying is true. They gave their God and the scripture as a defense. And we need to be the same kind of believers. You know, we don't need to run around and say, well, Dr. David Jeremiah said this, and so it's true. I read this book, and so it's true. I read on the internet, so it's true. God's not asking you to put David Jeremiah as your authority or the internet or some book. God's asking you to put your authority on this. This is God's word to us. Base your life and your convictions and your decisions off of this, not on what man says. Because man 
is well-meaning. Yes, David Jeremiah, I, I almost guarantee everything he says is 100% accurate. I can't, I don't know, I mean, I don't know everything he said, and I, I don't know everything the Bible says, but he's one of those guys that I would say, pretty much anything you say, you can believe is true. But God didn't say, take his word for it. He says, take the scripture's word for it. But other, there are people who are well-meaning, who are confused. They, they, they read scripture, they interpret it wrong, and they share it wrong. And so that's why you have people like the pastor who preaches prosperity gospel, that God wants you to be happy. You just do what God wants you to do. He'll make you happy, and you make him happy, and he'll just bless you, and, and life will be good. All you, you just give more money, and I'm going to, to bless you. You know, and that's that's a tough thing for some people to believe or to not believe because you look at the, the pastor, he's wearing the nicest clothes. He's got the he's got the, the millions of dollars. He's got the the lifestyle that says success every which way you go. And people see that and say, that must be true. The more I give God, the more I'm going to get, the better my life is going to be. But what does scripture have to say about this? Nothing specifically about prosperity gospel. But it says in Hebrews 13, 5, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Now, why would people be giving more money to the church? Because they love money, because they want more money. I'm going to drain my bank account and give it to the church because I want more. Not because I love God and I want him to be able to use it for something. It's because I love money. I want more of it. So I'm willing to do and give more. You know, think about all the, the, the people in the Bible who lived poor, miserable lives. They followed Jesus and they were persecuted. They followed Jesus and they died young. They followed Jesus and they were poor. They, You know, you, you look at this and you can't, those people didn't love God enough. Those people didn't give enough. They gave everything to God. They gave their life. Many of them gave their possessions. You think about Paul and Barnabas who went on a mission, on a mission trip with nothing. They didn't have the support. I mean, they had a church praying for them, but they weren't given loads of cash. They didn't have cash coming in the mail to support them. And look what they went through. So you can't say that God just wants you to be happy because there's a lot of unhappiness out there. You can't say that God will bless you and give you more money just because you give more money to the church because that's not true. But there are a lot of people who are going down the wrong path because they are hearing some guy get up on the radio and teach this. Because they didn't look and say, what does scripture say? They took this guy's word for it instead of God's word for it. <clears throat> Parents or friends or teachers or, or friends, whatever, who say, follow your heart. Now, you know, in order to make a decision. That sounds really good. I mean, it's really moving. You can put some Titanic song music behind it. It's talk about follow your heart and everybody can get excited about that. And it feels good. And I can't judge your decision because you're following your heart. It must be right. And if it feels good, do it. But you know that your heart, there's a lot the Bible says about your heart. In Jeremiah 17, 9, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Okay, so I'm going to follow my heart that's wicked? All of a sudden, this is bad advice. Uh, my heart is deceive, deceiving me. What's it my heart going to tell me? I want to marry this person who's not saved, and it's got to be okay because my heart says I love that person. I want to keep doing this sin because it feels good and I'm not getting caught, and it must be okay because I don't feel like it's wrong. 
You know, not every sin that you do feels wrong. Sometimes you just say, okay, God is wrong. I'm, I'm going to stop doing this. You know, I'm going to drain the bank account to go buy this car because I, it feels like the right thing to do. But the Bible says your heart is deceitful. It's going to tell you what you want to hear. So if you're, if you're giving out that advice or if you're following your heart and thinking that, hey, this is okay because I'm following this, I would, I would think twice before I did that. And Matthew chapter 15, verse 19 through 20 says, For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. Out of what's on the inside is coming what's out. But my heart says it's okay. You know, I hate this person. My heart says it's okay to get rid of this problem. My heart says it's okay to take this thing even though it doesn't belong to me. So you can't follow your heart. You can't say follow your heart, but there's a lot of well-meaning people who are expecting that it's okay to follow your heart. Well-meaning people who say, shame on you for playing cards, shame on you for dancing, shame on you for playing dice. Um, because I have to tell you, the Bible doesn't specifically say dancing is wrong. Now, um, I mean, David danced before the Lord. Now, I, I, when I think about cards and I think about dancing, I, I understand. So don't think I'm like condone, condemn, uh, condoning any kind of dance and any kind of games because I'm not up here trying to do that. What I'm trying to do is say, don't base your opinion off of what you think. Base it off of what Scripture says. Because there's a lot of dances that are not okay. And there's, you know, you guys know the floss. Do not... Ever do that in front of me if you, unless you want to die. <laughs> I hate that. It is, I don't know what it is about that, uh, but the Bible doesn't say that's wrong. I just, it's, a lousy, it's a lousy dance. There's the Macarena. You know, there's all sorts of other things. Um, but the point is, is, that the, the, is that we are trying to follow Scripture to base our life on, not about what man thinks. You know, you think about um, gambling for money, like playing poker. You know, I'm not going to be up here and say, do it or don't do it. I want to say, this is what scripture says about games such as poker with money. It says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Right? Just because you're, you're I mean, why do, why do people gamble? Why do people play poker? Typically, it's because they're trying to get money. Now, when I grew up, uh, I played poker. But it wasn't for money. I, play, I, I had no money to play with, and I was no skill <laughs> to play. But we, we played with chips, and we played with M&Ms. You know, you just put it in there, and you're eating half your ante because you, you don't care, right? So it's like, the game by itself is not bad. It's just, it's, it's a game. It's the, the idea behind, why am I doing this? Is it to try to, to get the money? Which, you know, people play for money all the time. Now, I'm not, it, it just gets to be one of those gray areas, and it's, it's just hard to deal with. But the, the, what you got to remember is, what does Scripture say? It says, the love of money is rid of all kinds of evil. People do... They, they will go gamble their life away in order to, to, to get that money. People will do dumb things in order to get money. And if, if, if I'm not playing with the love of money as my goal, then you might be able to get away with it. But a couple other passages to put in your think tank that I'm not going to put up there. Uh, in chapter, Romans chapter 14, Paul's talking about the day of worship. You know, what day of the week do you worship? Is it Saturday? Is it Sunday? Is it some other day of the week? And Paul tells people, it doesn't matter. Pick one. Be consistent with it. Uh, but you have to be convinced in your own mind that this is right. 
Like, it's okay. I worship on Sunday. I'm convinced in my mind that this is the day I needed to be in church to worship. But the same kind of thing applies to other things that are not right or wrong, you know, like dancing or, or playing poker by itself as a game. But you've got to be convinced in your mind that it's okay because whatever is not, a, is, is not a faith is sin. So if in your mind, the back of your mind, it says uh, poker is wrong or gambling is wrong, you should not be doing it because in your life it is sin. In 1 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul's talking about eating meat sacrificed to idols. And he says, um, if what I do is going to cause somebody else to sin, I'm not going to do it. And that's eating meat. He said, you know, it's like he's going to he's willing to eat veggies as opposed to eating meat. If what he's eating is going to cause somebody else to stumble. And so if you want to play poker or somebody's around that uh, is going to be caught, led into sin, you might have to say, I'm not going to play poker. I'm not going to dance. I'm not going to play dice. Uh, if it's going to cause somebody else to sin. You don't want somebody who's got a conviction saying, well, it's okay for Josh, and so I'm going to do it too, because if it's not clear in their mind that it's okay for them to do, then it's not okay for them to do. But that's, the point is not, is gambling right or is dancing wrong or anything like that. The whole point is this. Have your beliefs and your convictions grounded in Scripture. Don't, don't take my word for it. If I said anything up here and God's like, Josh, you're, you just said the exact wrong thing. And you're looking at me and saying, well, the pastor said it. It's got to be okay. What do you see in scripture? See if it's really there. Um, but don't, don't take anybody's word for it. See it for yourself. And then live your life by, with full confidence by your convictions that you see in scripture. That's why there was well-meaning people who were leading people astray because they thought this was right. They said, you got to be circumcised. You got to follow the law. And those, those don't sound like bad things. But when you're trying to say circumcision and Jesus, that's not the gospel. Following the law and Jesus, that's not the gospel. The gospel is Jesus alone for salvation. Salvation is in Christ alone. When Paul talks to the Galatian churches, he's talking about this idea of following the law, of being circumcised. It's like, wait a second, who, who, who interfered here? You were following Jesus. Why are you now trying to add something else to it? Because that is not the gospel. The gospel is Jesus alone. So you've got to be able to read this and to see for yourself if what you are hearing is true and base your life off of this. Not off of me, not off the internet, not off of TV or David Jeremiah. Live your life based off of what the scriptures say. So the well-meaning but confused believers had concern for the new Gentile believers. The well-meaning and correct believers all had a conversation concerning these new believers. They also had a concern. So now I want to point out what's the conclusion of what they came up to. And I don't have slide number anymore after this. Uh, here's the conclusion. I want to read it for you. Verse 24 to 29. This is a copy of the letter that was sent to these, to these people, to these believers. It says, Greetings. We have heard that some went out from us without our authorization and distributed, or I'm sorry, disturbed you, troubling your minds by what they said. So we all agreed to choose some men and send them to you with our dear friends Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we are sending Judas and Silas to confirm by word of mouth what we are writing. 
And here's the letter. It says, It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. You are to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. You will do well to avoid these things. Farewell. They didn't go into circumcision. They didn't go into following the law. They said, here's what you need to do. Now, is that list of not eating meat sacrificed to idols, is that was in order to be saved? It had absolutely nothing to do with it. We can actually break down these four requirements that these men came up with to get to the churches into two categories. One was what was necessary for them to avoid. You know, you had these Gentile believers. They were new believers. And sexual immorality was a big deal. It was very prominent in their area. And they're saying, because it's the right thing to do, you need to avoid this. Now, this wasn't the only scripture that they were ever taught. Paul and Barnabas were in these areas. They taught people about Jesus, how to live their life. But if they're saying, hey, you got to make sure that you are avoiding this. Keep sexual immorality out of your life. It is necessary for you to avoid these things for, your, for yourself, for what is right or wrong. But then they point out something a little bit different. It's what was necessary for them to avoid for the sake of their brothers. You know, in chapter 15, verse 21, it says, As Moses has been preached in every city from the earliest times and is read in the synagogues on every Sabbath. These people were in their synagogues on every Sabbath hearing this Old Testament law. And they're, they're, they're re going over these things. And so this is very common to them. And they feel like we still got to do these things. It's still almost... It's how they were brought up. You know, you, you get taught something your whole life. All of a sudden, it's hard to just change and to say, oh, you know, because when I grew up, I didn't really listen to, to secular music. I mean, I listened to oldies 101 back in like the, the 50s, but I never listened to country music. It wasn't until I was about 15, 14, 15, I heard a Garth Brooks song and uh, Friends in Low Places. <laughs> And I was hooked. But I grew up not listening to that. And then all of a sudden feeling like, you know what, it's okay to listen to country music. But growing up, like, we don't do that. We listen to Christian music and that's it. You know, um, so it's hard for them to change. And so he's saying, look at these guys. You know what, for, for their sake, for the sake of your Jewish brothers, don't eat meat sacrificed to idols. Gentiles, that's just meat, right? Just give me the chunk of meat. I'm going to eat it. It was strangled. I don't care. It's just food um, and, and blood like, ugh. but they, you know, some people like their meat rare. And so they're, you know, it's, but the, for the, for the Jews, they're still following these early practices. The Gentiles are like, what is your problem? And they, and they say, you know what, for the sake of your brothers, don't do this. Your brothers who are trying to make you be circumcised and follow the law, forget all that. Love your brother, and for their sake, don't do that. You know, it's kind of like with the, for the gambling, with the, with the dancing. For the sake of my brother, if it's going to cause them to stumble, if it's going to cause them to frown on that, I'm not going to do that. At least not around them, because the, to them it is not okay. So there's a lot of well-meaning and confusion going on. Well-meaning believers back then, well-meaning believers today. Some are confused, some are right on. How do we determine? Well, you don't take the preacher's word for it. You don't take the book's word for it. You don't take the Internet's word for it. You get into the Bible and you see it for yourself. What is right and what is wrong? That takes study. That takes time. It takes having conversations with people. But you're looking to see, this is how I'm supposed to live my life. And then you do it to the best that you can. 
So I want to challenge you. What do you think about dancing? What do you think about poker? What do you think about the movies you watch? What do you think about the music you listen to? What do you think about the activities that you're involved in and when you do those things? Is it okay because my heart says it's okay? Is it okay because somebody in the past said it was okay or somebody said you shouldn't do that so I'm not going to do it? Are you taking the preacher's word for it? No. Throw all that outside. Look and see what the scriptures say and to do it well. Now, if you're not willing to go and, and search it out for yourself, I'd say have conversations with people. Please, I'll, I'll be willing to talk to you. I know Darren and Steve and Todd are good sources to talk to you if you have questions like that. Don't just say, oh, well, it's too much work. It's too hard. Uh, because God's word is there for everybody to read and everybody to understand. When it comes to Jesus, I want to make sure this is clear in case you don't go search this one out. You are a sinner. The Bible states it. Romans 3.23, all have sinned. Romans 6.23, uh, the wages or for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Because I've sinned, I deserve to die and go to hell. That's what scripture says. Romans 3.23 and 6.23. If you're not going to search it out for yourself, hear it because this is God's word to us. Don't let somebody tell you that everybody gets to go. That my goods just have to outweigh my bad. That all I got to do is go to church or, or be baptized. Because that's not what scripture says. A lot of well-meaning people want that. But they're confused. Well, well, uh, well-meaning and correct people are going to tell you what Scripture says. So if you're not saved, ask Jesus to forgive you to be your Savior. And if you are saved, I want to encourage you to burn this into your brain. My beliefs are going to be based off of what Scripture says, and I'm going to live by that with confidence and conviction and not let somebody else's squirrely-whirly ideas get in there to try to convince me of something otherwise. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, for how it is applicable to every part of our life. I know that you don't say every detail about every situation that we are in, uh, but I know that we can apply your word to every part of our life. And I pray that, God, we would do that. You know, maybe some of us in here are, are saying, I've been living by what the preacher said. I've been living by follow my heart because that is the easiest thing to do and no one can really argue with it. And, and maybe I've been following what I've been taught um, from someone my whole life. And I just, God, I pray that we wouldn't be people who are swallowing everything that we're, what we hear, but we see that what we're hearing is from your word and we would live by that. And I know, God, it's hard to live by convictions, especially when everybody else doesn't want to do that. And I pray that we would be the people who stand strong and live by our convictions that we see in your word uh, clearly. God, I want to be the church that still stands when the end of time comes. I want to be the faithful church that is loving you, that's reaching out, that you can say, well done, a good and faithful servant too. Please let us be that church. In Jesus' name, amen.